Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. We are in a month of encounters, in our year of faith. Habakkuk chapter 4 verse 2, the just shall live by his faith. 2 verse 4, sorry. Um, the just shall live by his faith. Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3, 11, the just shall live by faith. And Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. The just is the godly person, the one approved by God. You only live by faith. You progress by faith in God. So then that means that your faith is crucial in the, when it comes to God. In the school of exploits, faith is a necessary requirement. You can't do exploits in God without faith. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, Verse 2, he said, but by, for by faith the elders obtained a good, that good report is exploits. And they did it by faith. And so your faith is an essential faith. I'm talking as faith of faith as a verb, not a noun. Faith as an action word. Because faith it's not faith until it has a corresponding action. So if you have faith in God, how do we know you have, we have, you, have, you have faith in God? By taking steps based on the faith you have in God. So if you say you have faith that, um, like Jesus said, fill the barrel with water and pour the water and go and give it to the leader of the ceremony and they fill the barrel with water and then they poured it go and service as wine they believed what he said so they also acted on it and so believing is not complete until there is a corresponding action it says that show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my word said even just as the body without spirit is is a corpse so faith without works is a corpse, is dead. It can't deliver. A dead, a dead body, a corpse cannot speak. Corpse cannot get pregnant. Corpse cannot cook. And corpse cannot go to court to defend himself. So faith we, that, has, that hasn't got a corresponding action is actually useless. He says that in James chapter 2, you say you believe. The devil, the demons also believe, and even them, they are trembling. When they hear it, they, they believe. They, so that, thou believest 
that there is God, there is one God. It's good to believe that. But guess what? You are not the only one who believes that. The devils also believe and they, they tremble. So you say you believe is not complete. There, there must be. So the next verse says that. Verse 20 says that. But will thou, O vain man, will, will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So it's very vain to assume that I, I, just, I just have faith. Yeah, I just have faith. I just have faith. What, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Faith that does not, hasn't got corresponding works is not faith. It's not actual faith. Because the actual faith the Bible talks about is, it always comes with work. The Bible says that, and when Jesus saw their faith, verse 21, and when Jesus saw their faith, James chapter 2, verse 21, and then it says that, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac? He offered Isaac, his only son, on the altar. So when God said, now I know, you, you have, it, he didn't say it till Abraham took a step. So Abraham, a man of faith, it, it was evidenced by the step he took to said, give Isaac your only son. You waited for him for 100 years. And after 100 years, what's the guarantee that you, you still can have? And he gave the son. So when he did it, the Bible says that now you have proved that you have genuine faith. So that's what the scripture is saying that. You can't say you have faith without act. Jesus said, in fact, when they were in the boat and there was a storm, a storm arose against them in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, 39. They went and awoke him. They said, Master, we are perishing. Hey, hey, don't, you can't sleep. We are dying. Get up and let's see what we can do. Let's plan this whole thing. He got up and then just rebuked the, the wind. Can you imagine you going around rebuking and someone would think you are mad. <laughs> he got up and rebuked the wind. You see, but I said something the other time, and if it's faith, it will have results. So you're rebuking the wind and the wind is not rebuking, then I think you have to look at it again. <laughs> because if you have faith, it will have, the faith you have will always have actions. And that action, or action faith, will always produce results. So the fact that we are not seeing the result, end result of your faith, maybe it isn't faith. Because faith will always produce. I see your faith producing great results. I say, I see your faith producing great results. So, Jesus awoke and rebuked the storm. And then when he rebuked the storm, there was great calm. And then he turned to them and he said, how is it that you have no faith? So their actions, what they did was a reflection of faithlessness. Because they, think, they were thinking, we are dying, we are dying, we are dying. But if they, had, they didn't have faith, they wouldn't have called Jesus. No, they had prescribed the situation already. They were worried. They called him out of panic. If they had had faith, they should have just left him to sleep and they, had, they should have continued. Because they were, no, they were not sinking. You can't have faith and sink. Amen. I said you can't have faith and sink. Amen. I said you can't have faith and sink. Amen. I, 
have you ever seen someone wearing um, that floating jacket? Life jacket. Uh, you have tied it all around you and you are sinking. I don't know. It's not life jacket. Maybe it's just normal winter jacket. <laughs> Some people have gone for winter jacket. They think it's life jacket. If it is life jacket, there's no way you'll be sinking. What you are calling faith, it probably is not faith. That's why it's not delivering. That's why you are becoming a, a, a laughing stock. Object of mockery. You, when you have faith, you can't be an object of mockery. Because while they are mocking you, God is making you and they are seeing the results. Their mockery cannot continue on an ending. They may attempt to mock, but later on they will realize that I think we need what you have. Didn't they mock Elisha? That you are following Elijah, oh, nothing will happen. When they came back from the Second uh, Kings chapter 2, verse 15, they said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on the man. They were mocking him earlier on. They said, oh, my friend, God has called the man. He will leave you today. But after he came with the results, they said, it's on him. And then when they were in trouble, they came to ask him, can you come and help us? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So, um, Matthew 14, 28. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. That's all he said, come. All you need is a word from God. Amen. But you can't have faith without a word from God. That's right. So as soon as he heard the word, uh, Jesus said, come. And Peter was, uh, uh, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, you are coming out of a ship, oh. It's not, it's not a car. It's not a horse or, or a cat. You are coming out of a ship. Where? Into the water? Because he said, come. Unbelievers will always tell you what you are doing is not reasonable. Why is it reasonable? I said, I preached a message some time ago that our faith is not unreasonable. Every genuine faith is reasonable faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every genuine faith is reasonable faith. Why am I saying that God is my healing? It's not reasonable if there's no basis for that. But if there's basis for what I'm saying, then it's reasonable. Peter walking on the water or jumping out of the boat was out of faith, but it wasn't unreasonable. He had a reason behind. What was the reason? Jesus said, come. He had something to take an action on. It was a reason behind his steps. So why are you allowing people to tell you that what you are doing is not reasonable? Or faith is against reason. No, faith is not actually against reason. It's just against sometimes the natural reasoning can't see through the reason behind faith. Because, watch this, natural reasoning, natural reasoning is based on sensory perception. Taste, sight, smell, touch, 
here. Yeah. <laughs> so there are the five senses. That's what determines and potentially experience you have gleaned over the years based on your five senses. So that is when we say reason. Most of them, when people say reason, the natural human reason is predicated on physical senses or the sensory perception, what you can perceive with your senses. That is why when they perceived on the boat or in the storm that the boat was filling with water, naturally they know that we are in trouble. We are in the storm. That's what they said. They said, we are in jeopardy. We are in trouble. Why? Because, I mean, the boat is filling with water. Common sense should tell you that this thing is about to sink. But Jesus, how dare Jesus tell them that? Why are you so fearful? Naturally, shouldn't I be fearful? So Jesus, they are operating in the natural sphere, and Jesus was operating in the supernatural sphere. Yeah. So you can, most of us, it's just mind. You are always depending on your mind. You are a believer. You are, you are a spiritual person. When, when will you start engaging your spirit? Yeah. Engage your spirit. Unbelievers can't engage their spirit. They are only left to their mind. So everything they do is based on the natural perception, which in itself may not be evil, but it doesn't deliver when it comes to the realm of the supernatural. If you want supernatural results, then you have to engage their spirit. Without engaging the spirit, you can't have supernatural results. You have natural results, and natural results is just depending on what nature depicts. So if the doctor tells somebody that you have got um, what? X, Y, Z. And it's going to be it's terminal or it's going to be a lifetime. Natural reason is, okay, they have done the prognosis or the diagnosis and then this is what they have concluded. So you are operating with it. What, What can you say? You can't say, oh, doctor, I, don't, I, I won't accept it. On what grounds are you not going to accept it? <laughs> On what grounds? But you can either use the wishful thinking and positive thinking. No, I won't accept it. Nothing will happen. 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 <sighs> it's about time people can tell the difference between believers and unbelievers. It's about time. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. All right. But how did I even get to? Yeah, Peter walking on there. <laughs> and Jesus said, come. And he started walking. Yeah. Let me just finish that. Verse 29 of Matthew chapter 14. He started walking. Oh, he was walking. And he came. And then Peter was coming down. He walked on the water. He walked on the water. Verse 29. Verse 30. As he walked over there, and then he saw the boy show wind. Sensory perception. Sensory perception. The first one was not sensory perception. It was spiritual engagement. He, he had faith in the word of Jesus. And so he started taking steps based on the word. Okay? So, so there was a reason for his steps. But it wasn't predicated on sensory perception. But now, when he saw the winds, he saw physically, saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. So Satan is always trying to move your focus on the things that will scare scare you. 
things that he will make sure you hear some bad news. Yeah. He will make sure you hear some. Now that you are beginning to believe God for marriage, he will make sure negative information concerning marriage gets to you. About how nowadays people are not getting married, and, and it's like he'll just, if you are going to start trying to pray by faith, Satan will also going to start showing you things that will put fear in you. Because faith and fear don't go together. You are either in fear or you are in faith. I'm speaking to protect your future. Because if you really need, if you want to engage God, there is a way, there's a protocol. <coughs> Religious people think that if the fact that I'm suffering and God I'm suffering, God will do something about it. No! He would have been in where there is famine, there himself, and begin to command, seed, grow. Grow, grow, what come? See, no, God doesn't move to where there is need. He moves where there is faith. So it's your faith that will engage God. That system of depending on the prayers of special pastors is not the best. It's not the best because it's not always, the, they will always be available. So, a good pastor will teach you how to engage God's word to take, to take delivery of your own testimony. I see your testimonies coming this year. I, say, I see your testimonies coming this year. We are operating by faith. So even your fasting should be by faith. Your fasting should be by faith. And anytime you hear me say by faith, it means by a step based on the word of God. If you say you have faith, all we have to ask is on what word? What's the basis? If you can't tell where or why from God's word, you may not be able to quote the quotation. That's not, that's not the essential one. The quotation is not the essential. Just that you know God has said in his word, and that's what you are hinging your life on. Yeah, that's faith. So if you claim you have faith, and we ask you, what word are you basing your faith on? Or what word is responsible for your faith? And you don't have a word, then that's not faith. Yeah, that, that's not faith. You get what I mean? that, That's not faith. Because if you have faith, we, 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 will, we will know what word is behind it. When you buy, there are some things, okay, you have a car. You know, if you want to go and maybe do a nice number plate or something on your car, especially a number plate and some stuff, or you, you misplace one of your keys and you want to make a new key, one of the things they will require of you is the logbook. You say the car is yours? Oh, okay, just give us the logbook, bring the logbook. And if you, if you produce the logbook, that's fine and your ID to show that you are the one dealing. That's fine. But you don't have a logbook, and yet you claim ownership to the car. Why am I saying that? Every car comes with, isn't it so? In UK, (laughs) we said. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true, let's let's put that disclaimer. Let's make, in UK, I'm sorry. <laughs> every car comes with a logbook. In the same way, every faith has a word it's operating on. 
So if you have faith, you, can, you are confident to say it's based on God said this, God said this, God said. If you don't know what God has said, how can you run? If you are believing God for healing, you must know a healing scripture. Some of us, we don't know quite about scriptures of healing. Scriptures of meanwhile you are sick and you want pastors to pray for you and you want us to pour oil. oil. We have trained folks to heavily be, de- to be dependent heavily on the pouring of oil. That in itself is not bad, but the dependence, over-dependence on... So we are anointing empty heads. Yeah. We keep pouring oil on empty heads, and it is always met with... (laughs) So... Fastings must be in faith. When you look through the New Testament, it's, it, there are fastings throughout. Yes. All right. For instance, in Luke chapter 2, verse 37, 36 talks about a woman called Anna. Anna, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, or Asa. She was of great age and had lived with and husband seven years from her virginity. In other words, after she got married, her husband died after seven years. You know, because those times when they married as virgins. (laughs) So, verse 37, and she was a widow of about four score and four Yes, so 84 years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. 84-year-old man, since her husband died, she has been in the church serving the Lord with fastings and prayer, day and night, regularly. No wonder when Jesus arrived, she knew that. Jesus had arrived. Whilst the, the chief priests and the Pharisees and the authorities of them didn't know. It, how come it took, it took wise men who Daniel had influenced in Babylon. Daniel had so much impact after he had, way after he had, de- he had died. There were people who he influenced and learned how to engage in the spiritual things by reading stars. They could tell, and they knew that the God of heaven or the, 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 the elements can sometimes point to some things. They, they knew it. And so when Christ arrived, people who were, they were not just stargazers, but they, were, they had a certain type of spiritual. In fact, some theologians believe that they were godly people. You know, others to believe that they are just well-trained in how to read stars and stuff. No. Horoscope. They monitor their constellations. So when they saw the star, they traveled from far. Whilst the priests were in Herod's, they didn't know. It took foreigners to come and say, Something has happened. He called the priest. He said, Oh, yeah, it's written. It's written in the text. Listen, it doesn't matter your theological astuteness. 
It takes a certain level of alertness to be able to tell when God is moving. Other than that, you can even condemn what God is doing and think that you are doing God's service whilst you are actually killing the people. Yeah, Jesus told the disciples, a time is coming when people will kill you. In John chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, they will throw you out of the synagogue. They will kill you thinking they are doing me, they are doing God's service. So to actually serve God, you have to be you have to be intentionally alert on the things in the things of God and keep training yourself in that light. It makes you alert. Bible says that these people were reading the the Torah or the the prophets and the Psalms and the writings or Moses and the, the law, prophets and the law. They, they were read, they're, they're reading it every Sabbath day. They were reading every week. They were reading it. They were reading it. And yet they fulfilled it by killing Jesus. Acts chapter 30, verse 27. Look at it. Look at it. Acts, write it down. Acts 30, 27. And they that dwelt in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, yet the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they fulfilled them in condemning Jesus. They are fulfilling the prophets because the prophets have said some people will condemn the Messiah when they came. And it was those who have been reading what has been written that did it. <laughs> so it is important to understand that fasting is a necessary aspect of your dominion. You want to have dominion? You must learn how to engage in fasting. So Anna fasted. Jesus in, 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 in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus himself fasted. Jesus fasted, Anna fasted, and Bible talks about how before they appointed um, in, in the church that is in Antioch, they fasted. And as they served the Lord in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, as they served the Lord and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke. And when the Holy Spirit spoke, they, he said, appoint, uh, separate unto him. They were fasting in Acts chapter 14, verse um, 23. Bible talks about how they, after they have appointed elders in every city, they fasted and prayed for them. They fasted. And they prayed with fasting. And that prayed, they commended them to the Lord whom they have, in whom they have believed. Hallelujah. So fasting was actually a common practice in the New Testament. It's commonplace in the New Testament. They were fasting. Apostles fasted to establish, to establish appointed people. And quickly, let me just give you five benefits of fasting. So I'm talking about the mystery of fasting. Fasting is a mystery. The, in the body of Christ or in Christianity or the kingdom of God, there are a few things that are mis mysterious. They are, they are mysteries. Jesus, I said it yesterday or Friday, Jesus said to the disciples, when they came and asked him, what is the meaning of this parable? In Luke chapter 8, verse 9, Jesus said, unto you the mysteries of the kingdom are given, but to those who are outside, it is spoken in parables. So they hearing, they will not understand and see, they won't see anything. So he said that unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So in other words, when it comes to the things of the kingdom of God, there are things that the human natural mind doesn't, cannot get. It doesn't, no, let me put it this. It's not obvious to the natural mind. You can be an emeritus of religion and still be blinded when it comes to the things of God. 
Because they are not researched. They are not discovered. They are revealed. You can't research a mystery. It must be revealed. It is revealed. So when Peter said, thou art the son of the living God, Jesus said, Bless, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, blessed are you, someone for a journal, but for flesh and blood has not revealed. It can, it must, when it comes to the secret things of God, it must be revealed. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3, he said, how by revelation, by revelation, how that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. The mystery is made known by revelation. Not by teaching. Not by research. The Pharisees, the Pharisees, they were more deep in scriptures than, the, they call them the scribes. The scribes were the ones who write the scriptures. They write scribing, you know, inscribe, scribing. The scribes were deeper, and some of them are called the teachers of the law. They were deeper. Some of them were lawyers. They were deep, but they came, Jesus was standing, the word, the manifestation of the word was in front of them, and they didn't know. Because spiritually they were blind. That's why when God called Paul, he said, I'm sending you to open their eyes. And to turn them, Acts chapter 26, verse 18, and to turn them from darkness to light. Listen, let's, don't let anybody intimidate you by virtue of the fact that I've been to Bible school. Bible school doesn't make you spiritual. Bible school doesn't make you spiritual. And it doesn't even mean you understand the scriptures. understand the scriptures. There was a guy, he's called Apollos. He was so mighty in the scriptures. He was a genuine guy. He really loved God. He was mighty. Acts chapter 18 from verse 24. A young man, Apollos, mighty in the scriptures. He only knew the baptism of John. Priscilla and Aquila took him on the side and explained to him the things concerning the Lord very well. He only knew he was mighty, verse 24. He was mighty in scripture. This is Apollos, born as a legend, eloquent man. Sometimes people use their eloquence yeah. to try and silence the truth. Because naturally, when people are very eloquent, it looks like they know what they are talking about. People, some people are naturally eloquent. But if you are spiritually sensitive, you listen to them and you can tell this one is very empty. So one of the benefits, let me, all right, let me just finish quickly. Benefits. I'm just focusing on the, more in the New Testament. Benefits of fasting. Benefits of fasting. Anna, in Luke chapter, as I said earlier, Luke chapter 20, verse 30, 36 and 37. This woman, when Jesus arrived, the top elders, leaders, the spiritual leaders, religious leaders didn't notice it. But she was able to discern and pick it. Why? Because this woman was a person who was always in fasting. When you fast, you're so light towards the things of the spirit. And so she was able to, mm, this is the Messiah. So when you fast, it helps for your spiritual tuning. Spiritual tuning. You're able to pick up, you know, listen. You, young man, you've seen, you've seen a lady. You are very interested in her. Young lady, you've seen a man. You are very interested in her. You are considering marriage. And you won't get yourself into fasting. Your dividends are based on your investment. The younger ones here who are still in school, uni, please, when it comes to choosing certain things, maybe the unis or course, prepare. 
but also spend time, even if one day prayer and fasting, for divine direction. Choosing of parents, choosing of subjects for your child. I think you should, if you can, even if you are not given to fasting, even if morning to 12. <laughs> try what I'm trying to say. Try and give a spiritual attention to what the disease because that's the only thing that can help you have an advantage in the future. Anna Bazaar came, she knew. She knew right from the beginning when he was a baby. Anna, she was sensitive. So she was in tune. Get in tune. Get in tune with your destiny. Number two, divine encounters. When you fast, you expose yourself to divine encounters. Fasting is a mystery. This month is a month of divine encounters. You shall experience divine encounters. In Acts chapter 10, oh, I like this one. Acts chapter 10, verse 30. It says, this is about Cornelius, the centurion. He wasn't a Jew. Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my... Fasting always goes to prayer, okay? I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in... That's an angel. An angel appeared. He was in fasting. There are a lot of illustrations or or examples I can give you in Old Testament, but I want to just stay in the New Testament. Encounters. Divine encounters. It was through his fasting and prayer, an angel appeared. Somebody say divine encounters. encounters. I'm not saying that when you fast, angels will appear to you. Please don't get me wrong. Divine encounters can come in different shapes and different forms, but you just will know that heaven has visited you. For instance, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, these are prophets and teachers in the church of Antioch. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, was it... The fasting that made the Holy Spirit speak. It was prepared, prepared. They were ready. The atmosphere was so ready. So it was easy for heaven to come in. They are on, it was the Holy Spirit that, who spoke. And our own, most of the time, the Spirit of God who speaks. But you, you can have encounters. During your fasting, any, this season of fasting, when you come to church, please be alert. Because only a word can come. And that could be your spiritual encounter and change everything in your life. So fasting exposes you to uh, spiritual, uh, for divine encounters. And number three, um, for appointments into offices. They fasted to appoint people into offices. Look at verse three of Acts chapter 13. Did you notice something? Please look at this. Acts chapter 13 verse two. Acts chapter 13 verse two. As they ministered to the Lord and were, let's read it out loud, let's go. I can't hear the male voice. Let's go. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me When did the Holy Spirit speak? As they ministered. So they were fasting and ministering to the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid there. So after the Holy Spirit spoke, they fasted and prayed to appoint them again. Did you understand that? They fasted and prayed to put them in the office, laid their hands. Because even the, the act of appointment must bring the hand of God. So they put themselves in a position so God can flow easily through them. So 
spiritual appointments or certain appo destiny appointments. When, for instance, you've just been appointed as the chief executive officer of your company, go and fast. As you accept the position, fast. Because you don't know who else is aiming the position and wants to use something against you. Because there are always a lot of ill wishes around us. And Ill, some ill wishes are as potent as prayers. You have been engaged and you are wearing ring and showing around. Please, fast and endorse the engagement. I'm telling you. Neutralize the negative impact of some ill wishes. Because ill wishes are, can be as potent as prayer if there is no cover. They, they have confirmed the pregnancy, and it, they confirmed it yesterday that it looks like you are the four and a half weeks pregnant. Then you go and put baby on board. <laughs> you are traveling to the village to go and show everybody that finally, finally, finally. I've got the job, I've got the job, I've got the job, I've got the job. I mean, if I get things like that, first of all, I secure it with a seed. And then go on my knees and ask God to keep what He gave. God, keep what you have given me. God, keep. And I, I handle it with an attitude of humility and not flaunt it to make, to spite people. Don't ever do that. If God gives you something, don't use it to spite people. Because then there's no proper protection over it. When God gives you something, use it to glorify His name in, with a, a humble attitude. So this fasting, take advantage of it to endorse some things. Let's not do things like the world does things. All right, let's finish this quickly. Just last two points quickly. I like this one. Number four is a basic Christian behavior, fasting. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse five. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse five says that in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. He's talking about, we look at verse five, verse, no, verse four. But in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of the gospel, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distress, in strives, in imprisonment. So all the things we go through, we make sure we are carrying ourselves as ministers of the gospel. And he says that one of the things, some of the things that we go through regularly is fastings. In fastings. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. <laughs> this one is a nice one. This is a, this encouragement to husbands and wife. And the Bible is saying that husbands and wife should not deny each other access to their bodies. I hope you understand what that means. Yeah, so it's a wife's duty to make herself available to her husband. And it's a husband's, it's a husband's duty to make himself available to his wife. And so he says, either, either than that, listen, he says that do not, uh, don't defraud each other. So if you do that, you are defrauding the person. There are a lot of froster wives and froster husbands. Bible says that you are not allowed to do that except 
fasting. So, ladies, that's the secret. <laughs> Why? Because a normal Christian, watch this. Why that break it? It's so normal Christian behavior that it's a regular thing that happens amongst Christians. So that's why I say if someone is trying to reserve, conserve energy in fasting, you should understand. <laughs> you know, so. But it, it, what, I need to add this. It's a very important caveat. I need to add this. It does not mean that when people are fasting, they can't visit. That's not what it means. Visitations do not spoil fasting. Do you understand that? That text didn't mean that. What it meant is maybe the person is embarking on a spiritual journey and will require a bit of concentration, you know, on spiritual things, and then you can understand. They came to the disciples and said that, they came to Jesus, they said, Mark chapter 2, verse 18, why is it that the disciples of John the Baptist fast and your disciples are not fasting? The Pharisees and John, they are fasting and their disciples do not fast. Um, but the disciples fast not. And then Jesus, verse 19, Jesus, answered, Jesus said to them, can the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Look at the next verse. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. So after Jesus came and gone, believers are supposed to be fasting. It's a normal believer's behavior. Okay? It's normal believer's behavior. Jesus, actually, when he was teaching them in Matthew 6, 17, he says that when you fast, you know, so, so you must schedule it into your program. It must be scheduled. It's scheduled, scheduled fasting. So maybe first week of every month, maybe the three days or something, or every two months or every. That's why in our church we schedule. As we are entered, we have entered the year. We schedule fasting to take advantage of the days ahead. Yes. All right. So it's a schedule. It's scheduled fasting. Now quickly, let me give you the last point, and then we end. So what's the first point? Benefits of fasting. What is it? Spiritual tuning, and it, that will sharpen your, your discernment. Number two is divine account. Number three, appointment into offices. Number four, basic Christian behavior. Number five is power. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Someone shout power. Say it with them. Say power. Now, the Bible says that Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, he went, Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 2. Those days, uh, being 40 days tempted by the devil, and in those days he did not, or he did eat nothing. Okay, so he was fasting. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days, you see, 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry. So when he went to the wilderness, he went to fast. Say, he went to fast. So Luke chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, he was led into the wilderness and he was fasted and the devil tempted him. Verse 14, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. 
He went full of the Spirit, but he came out after fasting in the power. Do you see that? He went in the Spirit, but came with the power of the Spirit. Fasting brings the power of God to bear your life. Power. Power. They were trying to cast out some devils, and it, wasn't, it was proven stubborn. And then Jesus came and sorted it out. And the disciples asked Jesus, Mark chapter 9, verse 28, 29. They asked Jesus Christ that, how come we couldn't do it? Mark 9, 28 and 29. They asked Jesus Christ, how come when he came, uh, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast that devil out? Do you know Jesus' response? He said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by what? Prayer and fact. There are certain type of stubborn situations that spiritually can be dealt with through prayer and fasting. Yeah. Listen, when you realize that what you are going through, there's a spiritual dimension to it, it is advisable, if not for health reasons, if you don't have health restrictions, to give some fasting attention to it. You are believing God for marriage, and you realize the thing is delaying. Sometimes you yourself take it, take it upon yourself and engage in fasting. You see trends in your family, and you can see it's about to repeat on you, get into fasting. So fasting brings you spiritual power, and you can deal with some things. You can bombard it. You can bombard it with the, the power of God. Release power of God on it and change the story. Fasting. So this season of fasting, I think, is in your own interest. Unless you have health reasons why you can't fast. But if you feel hungry when you fast, that's normal. Yeah, normal. Especially around 10 a.m., you'll be very hungry. Depending on the kind of work you do. If you are very busy, sometimes some people, even if they are not fasting, they are so busy, they don't get time to eat. So what am I saying? Listen, when you fast, you'll be hungry. But if you discipline yourself through, you realize that you'll get over it. And then sometimes to stir itself again around four towards five. But sometimes by six, unless you are waiting for the time, and uh, three minutes to six. But, but most times by six, you are fine. Go, go easy on your stomach, on your intestines. Some of you have experienced that you ate so much now you, you couldn't get up. <laughs> yes. And because of that now, you have to go and lie down a bit. <laughs> so, you are a human being. In spite of the fact that you are on a spiritual exercise, you are human. There's a way to go about things. So, go systematically. Don't, I know you are hungry, but don't be in a rush. Take your time. Ease things, and then by 8 p.m., you have more to eat. And then, you know what I'm talking about, those who are breaking every day. And some of you, and some of us, it's just advisable to drink a lot of water yeah. when you are fasting. Don't worry, it, it will spoil your fasting. Don't, do, do, I don't encourage dry for now. You know, just drink water. Unless you are fasting, you do it alone. Then that's different. Drink a lot of water, potentially warm water. It's so healthy. And you pass out water a lot, drink water. It washes you, it detoxes your system. It has benefits. 
Anyone who fasts a lot usually can have pimples and some skin. It has a way of detoxing the body. All right, so, so, so please be mindful how you break your fast. Amen. Did you receive something? We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.